You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Well, thank you guys for joining us this morning. Uh, It's a privilege to be with you. Uh, Let us pray first. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses and forgive um, and help us forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the great trial. And Father, we just pray especially over this series and and today. um, I'm eager for this series. So more than ever, while I'm speaking, let us hear from you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. Well, Like I said, it's a privilege to have you guys here. I just want to give you a quick roadmap of where we're headed today. We're going to recap where we've been the last couple of weeks. And if you haven't had a chance to, to go and list, uh, to listen to those, I highly encourage you to do that. Um, my head is still spinning from the, what, the word that we've received over these last couple of weeks. Uh, and you can do that on our Facebook and <clears throat> our YouTube and uh, on the podcast. But if you, you haven't been with us, or even if you have, uh, you might remember that two weeks ago, uh, Jason started this series off um, with a call for us to remember our first love. <clears throat> and if, and if you, as you know, our first love is Jesus, or should be, especially if we are Christians. <clears throat> and the call really was to um, you know, embrace Jesus as our first love, or to remember him as our first love. And, and uh, last week, Ricardo took that a step further, and Ricardo was talking about discipleship. And, and he had this question, he looked at Adam and Eve in the garden. And, and if you remember, God calls out to Adam and Eve after they've been with uh, the serpents. And he says, where are you? And it's not a question of their location, but a matter of why aren't they with him, right? And a deeper implication of the question that, that God is proposing to, to Adam and Eve is, what other voices have you been listening to? You see, <clears throat> Uh, if they weren't with him in the garden, then he knew they were listening to other voices. And, and, and a disciple, and being a disciple, is a matter of, thank you, um, listening to Jesus and listening to his voice and learning from him, right? Um, you know, Ricardo made this statement about disciples uh, die to themselves to experience ultimate love. And a disciple is someone who is with Jesus learning from them. And, 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 and part of that is learning to die to yourself. See, you might've taken away last week's message that yes, I, I want that. I want to be a disciple and I want to die to myself. I wanna remember Jesus as my first love, but it won't happen automatically. That's the process and part of being a disciple you have to learn to die to yourself, right? It, it, it's not gonna happen automatically, right? Uh, just like you learn anything in life. Uh, if you wanna learn to play a sport, uh, you have to start somewhere. You have to, if you're gonna play basketball, you gotta start learning to dribble. Dribbling isn't easy at first because you don't have the muscle memory, you don't have the skill, but you can learn it. Uh, if you wanna learn a language in life, you have 
to start somewhere. You have to engage that language and you start to engage the practices of learning that language. Uh, verb memorization, uh, you know, memorization of, of words and verbs and verb conjugation and all that stuff. I don't know anything about languages. I barely have learned English, so uh, I'm not an expert on that. Uh, math or anything, uh, you have to engage teachers and, and people who know the subject and you learn from them. Uh, in all areas of life, we understand this, except when I think it comes to our spiritual lives, our lives with God. We kind of think, well, if we just show up a couple times to a religious gathering, uh, those fruits of the spirits, those, those high and mighty things that Jesus has called us to, like dying to ourselves, will, will just happen over time but not unless we engage them, not unless we purposely seek them out and purposely seek Jesus out to teach us how to do those things. That's what it means to be a disciple, to be with Jesus learning from him, right? Now, one of the, the things uh, that we talked about last week was if we led with this idea that uh, being a disciple, um, remembering your first love and, and then becoming a disciple, if, if, if we led with the idea that being a disciple is a matter of dying to yourself, that more people would have the understanding and they would understand the cost uh, of what it means to be a disciple. And that's true and that's very important. But we have to look at the other side of that as well, right? We have to look at um, the cost of not being a disciple, right? Because there's a very real cost to that. And... and, and and yes, being a disciple can be hard, but, but everything is hard at first. All of life is dealt, uh, riddled with difficulties. Um, learning a sport is hard at first. Learning a language is hard at first, but they become easy over time as you engage them and they're worth it, right? right? This, this idea that disciples die to themselves to experience ultimate love, that is a wonderful thing, right? And, and discipleship to Jesus is wonderful. It is beautiful. It is the greatest opportunity ever afforded us. So we can't... Uh, approach the subject as though we feel like it's going to be impossible or difficult. You know, some, sometimes I think people uh, think God is out there just looking to trip us up, looking to spite us, right? But he's not like that. In fact, I think sometimes we read some of these verses um, about Jesus, uh, the things that he says and invites us to, and we just kind of read what we want to read into it. For example, and if you have a Bible or an app out there, you can, you can open up to Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 29. And, and, and I'm going to read this as way I think some people read some of these passages when we hear from Jesus, or at least what they hear uh, from, from the culture, or at least what they take it to mean. Um, let's look at this, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 29. Uh, Go to someone else, all who are relaxed and easygoing, and I will give you more work. Take my yoke upon you and learn from Fox News and CNN, Oprah and Jordan Peterson and talk radio, for I am hard to deal with. And you shall find no rest for your souls, for my yoke is extremely hard and my burden is heavy. Is that what that verse says? Whoops. No, that's not, that's not Jesus. That's not our master, our teacher, our savior. That's not what he says. And yet somehow in our minds, we take the spiritual life and our life with God and our remembering our first life as some type of a chore, as something that's gonna be extremely hard for us. 
But I'm going to tell you, if you think the way of Jesus is hard, you ought to listen to the sayings of the other guy. You ought to listen to the sayings of the adversary. They really are hard. You think about someone who doesn't spend their life dying to themselves or learning to die to themselves, and they spend their lives filling themselves up with every desire, every want. You look at a lot of people, their lives aren't good. They aren't happy. Like the prophet Haggai says, they're like people who fill their purses and their purses have holes in them. They're never satisfied. A, a life only for yourself does not end in ultimate love. So if you're counting the cost of what it means to remember your first love and to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to realize that this way is easier. Now let's look at what that verse really says, what Jesus actually says to us. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 29. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. See, you're not relaxed and easygoing when you come to Jesus. You're burdened and heavy laden. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from who? He says to learn from him. <clears throat> For I am gentle and lowly in heart. What is he saying there? He's saying I'm easy to get. I'm not a hard person to come to. I'm on your level. That's why Jesus came in the flesh to live the life that we are living, right? And to show us that there's a better way to do it, that there's a new humanity on the rise, that this is the true way of being human. I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you shall find what? Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, Jesus is inviting us to a different kind of life, not a life that's gonna be hard. His projects, this is what he's inviting to us, to abandon our projects and to adopt his. And that he promises he's gonna be there with us, teaching us as we learn from him, discipling us, calling us always to keep him in that first love position. His yoke is easy. And we have to keep that in mind because if we, we think that this spiritual life, this life with God is gonna be hard and we keep lying to ourselves that it's gonna be hard, we won't engage in it. We won't, we won't invite Jesus alongside us in our day-to-day -day lives. And see, there's this, this is uh, saying that the, the greatest lie the devil ever told what, or the greatest lie the devil ever convinced us of was, was convincing us that he doesn't exist. And I don't think that's true. I think the greatest lie that the devil ever convinced us of is that uh, we can't change and that the, the, the life with God, the, the God with life, the life with God, excuse me, is the hard life. But see, Jesus tells us something different. If we go to him, he will teach us. He will give us rest. He will give us easy burdens, light loads, because he's with us carrying the load. Without him, we're doing it by ourselves and we're believing the lies of the enemy. Now, uh, I forgot to mention this in our, our roadmap. The, the, what, what we're mainly talking about today is um, like, like we've been continuing the series is how do we keep God as a, in, in that first love position? And today we're gonna be talking about it in the context of our relationships, right? How do we 
keep God in that first love position? How do we turn to him and learn from him and be his disciple when it comes to our relationships, right? Uh, Well, the first thing we need to keep in mind is that we can't make relationships above Jesus, right? Like Jason was talking about, who is in that first love position in your life? Well, if it's your relationships or anything else, those are gonna suffer, right? Because that's not the order God has given us in his word. What does he say? Love me and then love my people, right? If you get those out of whack, your life is gonna be out of whack. If you elevate anything above Jesus, if you put anything else in that first love position, your life is gonna be out of whack because you're not gonna have proper perspective of how things flow with God, all right? And now the second thing we need to keep in mind in our relationships is that what what you love, you worship, and what you worship, you become, right? So if you love anything above God, you're gonna worship that thing and that's what you're gonna become. And that's why it's so important when we pose this question to you, what's, in, what's taking your first love position? Because if it's not Jesus, you're gonna worship something else and you're gonna become something else. But if Jesus is in that first love position, you're gonna worship him and you're gonna become like him. That is the process of discipleship, right? Part of it anyways. Now, with that said, there's one thing that I think uh, stands above all that's gonna help your relationships flourish. Um, One, of course, keeping Jesus in his proper position as your first love, but then two, eliminating hurry from your life. I'm gonna say that again. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life because here's, here's the thing. If you are in a hurry, you cannot be lovingly present with those people that you love. If you're in a hurry, you cannot be lovingly present with God. I'm gonna say it again because uh, so many times uh, communication uh, science will tell us you have to hear something so many times for it to take root. You cannot be lovingly present if you are in a hurry. You cannot be lovingly present if you are in a hurry. And here's the thing, if we're gonna become disciples, if we're gonna be with Jesus learning from him, uh, slow and steady wins the race, all right? If you're gonna be in a hurry to, to conquer the next thing, get the next idea, check off the next box, you're gonna miss everything that Jesus has for you. This is not a sprint to the finish line. This is a lifelong journey with Jesus learning from him how to live and how to become like him. So it's not a rush to the end. So in everything we do, we have to try to eliminate hurry from our lives, right? And and, and Jesus models this, right? If we're gonna be with Jesus, learning from him, we're gonna look at the word and we're, we're gonna pay careful attention to how he acts in those gospels, right? A lot of times we miss some of the intricacies and the little details because we're in a rush to get things done. But I I just encourage you, as you start to read through the gospels, you just keep that in your mind that Jesus is never in a hurry. And read that in the text, read the text with that in mind that Jesus doesn't really seem to be in a hurry here. And, and, And Jesus seems to be relaxed at almost all times. So much 
of the, the examples that Jesus gives us to live by and to learn from uh, are totally contrary to some of the things that we've experienced throughout church history and how churches uh, have responded to the culture. We see all the time that we, we try to go out and get the crowds to come to us. And yet, what do we see from Jesus? He walks away from the crowds. He gets away from the crowds. He's not concerned about having an audience, but he always has something to say, right? And, and we see that in this, this instance of not being in a hurry. And if you, if you want to look at this with me, uh, John 11, five through seven, and I'm reading out of the NLT. And if you're familiar with this, this chapter, you know that Lazarus, Lazarus, sorry, uh, Jesus' friend, really good friend, has gotten ill and presumably is dead. And Mary and Martha send to Jesus about, about Lazarus. Um, and, and this is where this, this, this passage picks up. And he says, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. So his friends are hurting and in need of him. And what does he do? He stays the next two days. Now, there's a lot of reasons why maybe he stayed. We don't exactly know, but I have a feeling it's because Jesus is exemplifying this idea that no matter the emergency, no matter what it is, that he's not in a hurry. He needs to be lovingly present with the commitments that he's made. You see, there's a real possibility that to abandon what he was doing there would have been offensive to the people he was with. It wouldn't have been loving to the people he had committed to be with those two days. Now, one thing to keep in mind about being a disciple, you know, we have these practices that help us learn and train to become people who died on themselves and all the other things that Jesus is teaching us. But practices are not legalisms. So we have to caution you, right? And we have to approach the text and we have to approach Jesus as though he's really smart and he knows what he's doing, right? And that he's inviting us to a conversation with us, not to just blindly do everything in the exact manner that he did. Because you might look at this text, well, Jesus waited two days. So anytime somebody dies, I guess I need to wait two days before I go and visit my friends who are hurting. No. You got to have some wisdom, right? The point is we have to be lovingly present with the people who are in front of us. You see, people need us to be there for them. And if we're always moving on to the next thing, we're not going to be lovingly present. If you've got something better to do, if there's something better on your phone, you're not going to be with lovingly present with your children or your spouse or your friends. If you've got another commitment at the end of the day, you're not gonna be lovingly present at your job or your volunteer opportunity or whatever it may be. You're gonna be, move, you're gonna be looking to move on to the next thing. You're not gonna be lovingly present with the people that you have committed to. So just keep in mind that any of these practices that we suggest to you, they're not legalisms. They're not, you have to do it exactly this way. They're there to help you learn from Jesus how to be like him, all right? So, so if you have, it, so the suggestion here is you need to eliminate hurry so that you can be lovingly present with people. 
How do you eliminate hurry? How do you stop being a hurried person? Again, it's not gonna be one of those things where you hear this and you think, that's a great idea, I'm too much in a hurry. Well, if you just try to not be in a hurry, you might set yourself up for failure. It's not gonna happen overnight. Dying to yourself is not gonna happen overnight. It's gonna take practice. You have to start somewhere. So if you find that being in a hurry is one of your issues, especially in your relationships, which I have found, I have found I'm less uh, available and more angry with my children if I'm in a hurry to go do something else. So I've purposely had to remind myself that I cannot be in a hurry and I have to eliminate things and obligations so, I, so that I'm not in a hurry with them so that I can be lovingly present. But here are some practices and suggestions. And again, these are just a few that you might try. You might be creative and you might be able to come up with some on your own. I'm sure you can. But if you're always finding that you're in a hurry, for example, the next time you're at, your at the grocery store, here's something that you could practice uh, to invite Jesus alongside you to help teach you how to not be in a hurry. If you always find that you're looking for the short line because you're ready to get out of the grocery store, maybe the next time you're at the grocery store, you find the long line, you stand in it, and when you start to feel that impatience building up in you, you invite Jesus to come alongside you in that time and space, and whatever that looks like, whether that's pulling out a verse and reciting it over, or just praying, or just being silent and saying, Jesus, come teach me. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do here, but I'm impatient. And I'm waiting in this long line because uh, the guy at the mission said, I need to wait in long lines, right? You, you invite Jesus into that space alongside you. And you start to do that over and over again. Now, again, this is not a legalism. If you know, the, next, the next clerk comes and tells you, oh, we have a shorter line. Can you come over here? We'll check you out. You don't have to tell them no and be rude with them and say, no, I'm practicing uh, not being in a hurry right now. No, you can go to the short line. Again, these are just practices to help you start to invite Jesus into your time and space to teach you how to die to yourself, how to not be in a hurry. Or for example, if you have a lead foot like I do, the next time you're on the freeway and you're yelling at the people for going too slow, maybe you ought to practice getting in the slow lane and, or picking a car that's going particularly slow and then you just spend your drive behind the slow car. And then during that time, you're not cursing at the guy for going slow. You're inviting Jesus into that time and space with you to help teach you a better way, how to bless those slow drivers who are cursing you with their slow driving, right? How to be not in a hurry, right? And again, those are just a couple suggestions that I've found useful in my own uh, discipleship and practice, but they're not legalisms. Their practices, because we're not looking for hard and fast rules to follow. We are looking to Jesus to teach us and we're looking to become like him. Uh, the process of becoming is that, it's a process. And, and the, the goal is not that we are rigid rule followers, it's that we are becoming something more. It, we are becoming the type of people who naturally respond to the situations of life in ways that are good and right and Christ-like. See, we can change if we are constantly receiving power and love from the Father. And that looks like a million different ways because God is gracious to us 
and he provides us grace for every moment of our lives, it doesn't have to be this rigid thing. If we just humbly submit and say, uh, God, I need your help in this moment. Can you teach me now what I need to do and how to do this? You know, there's these, these great lies that we tell ourselves. Don't ask for patience from God because he'll really test your patience. Again, that goes back to these lies like God is out here trying to spite us and trip us up. He wants to be with us and he wants to help us and he wants us to become like him. He's not out here making our lives difficult. He really will give us an easy yoke if we invite him into our time and spaces wherever we are. See, because God loves you and God loves his people, God wants you to be lovingly present with him and lovingly present with his people. You cannot keep Jesus as your first love if you are looking to perform another religious act. You cannot be his disciple if you are in a hurry to check off another box. Discipleship does not work that way. And we wouldn't want it to work that way, right? It is a process of becoming. So I want you guys to be encouraged by this series. We are giving you practices and, and practical uh, tools as you adopt Jesus as your master, right? He is the one who is competent and capable for all of life. We, we know we need teachers for every other area of life. And yet when it comes to our life with God, to our dying with the self, to these fruits of the spirits, we assume that they'll just happen at some point, but it's not like that. Those things all happen by learning the same way we learn any subject. We just have to recognize it. And we have to recognize that Jesus is smart and capable. Do you know that in all the difficult subjects like math and physics and chemistry, Jesus invented all of those subjects. He is the smartest, most capable, most intelligent, most divine human being to ever live. He knows how to do life and he's willing to teach us. That's what he says, that verse we looked at. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Learn from me. So that's what we're inviting you to in this season, to recognize who is in that first love position and put Jesus there. And if Jesus is in that first love position in your life, you're gonna accept him as your, your master and your teacher, and you're gonna learn from him. Now, like I was saying, any of these practices, you can come up with anything uh, to help you start to learn how to be, not be in a hurry. And um, that's important. And I encourage you to do that this week, either the suggestions I've, I've given you or, or think of some, some of your own. Well, one other thing I do in, in some of those times and spaces, I, I keep, uh, you know, that verse is a good one to memorize, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, uh, to help meditate and breathe on that. It will help you calm your spirit. But I just keep a little notepad of verses uh, that I'm trying to memorize or that I want to have on, on, on record with me. And so every once in a while, uh, you know, when I'm trying to practice, you know, not being in a hurry, when I'm in the long line or waiting for the car to be done or whatever it may be, I can pull this out instead of pulling out my phone and I have a list of verses. You know, you don't have to carry a whole Bible around. I mean, you have it on your apps and your phones and that's good too. So if that works for you. But for me, I know just pulling out my phone, it can be a distraction and just hurry things along for me. So I, I purposely try to fight against that. 
But, whatever, but again, this isn't a legalism. This is just another practice or idea for you to try to adopt as you embrace Jesus as your master and learn from him. My, my wife, Jessica, uh, she, she, she uh, introduced this, this to me this week. And I want to close with this. Uh, it's from it's Psalm 23. And she's taken the Psalm and she's personalized it. So when she reads the Psalm, she says, you know, Yahweh is Jessica's shepherd, right? And she places her in the place of Psalm 23 so that she can remember that God cares for her specifically. So I'm gonna pray this over you guys today as we get out of here. And I just want you to know that God cares for you. This is not another burden to bear. Being a disciple is a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And you don't have to be afraid of being his disciple. God wants you to come to him and rest and learn from him. So wherever you are, I want you to just take a moment, take some deep breaths, calm your spirit if, you, if you're in a quiet place and just uh, let me pray these words over you and just breathe them in as you go out this week. Yahweh is your shepherd. Yahweh is your shepherd. God is your shepherd. Yahweh is your shepherd, Andy, Freddie, Jason. You shall not want. You shall not want Becca. You shall not want Angelica. He makes you, yes, you, Kim, Angela, Tim. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you. He leads you, Faith, Leisha, beside still waters. He restores your soul, Jennifer, Keith. He restores your soul, Ricardo, Tatia. He leads you, yes, you. He leads you, Jessica, Jamie, in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though you, you, Charmaine, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though you, Brian, walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil. You will fear no evil, Kelly, Julio. For he is with you. He's with you, Didi. He's with you, Jody. He's with you, Ivan. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. They comfort you, Jeff, Sarah, Tara. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He does that for you, Teresa and Sean. Your cup overflows, Carlos. Your cup overflows, Jessica. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, Owen and Landry and Gary and Dylan. And you, whatever your name is, wherever you are, whoever it is that is listening today, he is for you. And you will dwell in the house of Yahweh forever. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.